Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hello, welcome to episode 61 of Broken Records, a new podcast, newish, 60 episodes in, and actually that new, to be fair, but it's still from the Riot Act Network, comparatively to the podcast you listen to on a Friday that Compared, we do every Friday on all sorts of alternative music. It's fairly new. My name's yeah. Stephen Hill. I'm joined by Renfrey Deadman. Hello. As ever. Hello. Hello. To discuss the worst albums ever made in the history of music. That is what we're searching for. Not the history of music. We recorded music. Recorded we're not music. Gonna, yeah. We're not going to like Bill and get in the Bill and Ted <laughs> phone box and go back and watch a caveman smacking a cow hide with a bone. That could be an interesting sort of project. Doing though. throat singing to it. Be an interesting project. Yeah, yeah. throat but singing. That just sounds like Wardruna or something, isn't it? I think it that does is a bit. Probably is Wardruna. Yeah, but yeah. Nothing, so probably... That sounded like a slight against Wardruna. I don't really have an issue with Wardruna. I'm just saying that sounds like Wardruna. Yes, they try and make quite old sounding music, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, that's fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Wardruna are not going to be in this podcast, <laughs> by the way. Unless they do like a fucking Scar album or something. Let's do like a dubstep. <laughs> Can you imagine? Emo, emo rap side project. Can't see that happening. SoundCloud All the album Wardruna. Yeah, uh, all the albums that we feature on this podcast, we should say, are compiled not because me and Renfri hate emo cloud rap scar side projects and it's just nothing but that. It is just albums that... We do. Yeah, like, (laughs) please don't send us any of that stuff. (laughs) We compile the list of albums that we cover on the show from their reputation, from their suggestion of you, the listener, from the fan reaction, from the band's reaction, from the commercial reaction to the record... And sometimes just something else, something weird, something unusual, some sort of odd context that surrounds a record. I just whack my table and now it's moving about all over the place. <laughs> this recording's going really well. Anyway. Some, sometimes, it's, um, sometimes it's not very clear why these albums are in here. I think to me, it feels quite clear why this one's in here, but we'll get into Definitely. that. Yeah. Definitely. The album we're talking about this week is The Weirdness by The Stooges, the fourth full-length album from the Detroit proto-punk legends, released on the 5th of March 2007. But before we get into that, I'll give you the flop 20, the 20 worst albums that we have covered thus far on the podcast, and Guns N' Roses' Chinese Democracy, which is unranked, which I feel like I should just chuck in there all the time anyway, because it's a funny little curio. It's a very funny little curio. What a funny little curio. But here's the top 20 in... Re- re- I need to reduced order then. In reduced order. <laughs> it should should we point out the fact that you're you're a little bit hungover, and so this recording yeah, might be a li- <laughs> yeah. might be a little bit sketchy and all over the place. Yeah, I, I've, you can probably hear in my voice yes. that I am slightly hungover. I think just just for how your voice sounds I'm, alone, we should probably mention that you're you're not I'm, in the greatest place yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I'm a, I'm allowed to go out for a drink. I wasn't saying you weren't. No, no, you you weren't. But there might be people listening who are like this man i'm this is disgusting this man this man has a podcast how dare he go out the day before recording and drink drinks 
Which is what I did. Anyway, the flock quite, twenty, quite number a twenty. Lot of drinks, let's face it. Quite a lot of drinks. Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis the Fourteenth, which is an album that you need quite a lot of drinks to enjoy. Any yeah, of these albums, they like a fair. drink as well. I imagine they fucking do. They yeah, like yeah, date like... rape drugs as well. By the sounds of oh, it. Oh Christ! Was that okay. too much? Sorry. Uh, not really. I mean, I was <laughs> well, going to say they like they like dropping things in the drinks more <laughs> yeah, than the actual drinks themselves. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Queen and Paul Rogers, The Cosmos Rocks, Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound, Mr. Blobby, the album. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band original soundtrack, Owen Quick with Eog and Quig, Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2, Blood, Sweat and Towers by Towers of London, Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, Cut the Crap by The Clash, Corey Feldman's Angelic to the Core, The Shags with The Philosophy of the World, a new entry for Gene Simmons with yes. Arsehole. There he is. Yeah. It's getting getting harder and harder to break into the flop it, 20. Cause it, it really is. Really, really fucking bad. It now. does. So, it well does, done, Gene. It does now feel like um, an achievement to break into the flop 20 now. So, mm. yeah. New entry at number eight. Yeah. Little Zans, Total Zanarchy, Blood on the Dance Floor with Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem, Concerto in True Minor by the True Symphonic Orchestra. Still mad to me that that's not the worst album, really. There are four albums that are, but they, they actually are worse than it as well. Uncle Crackers Double Wide, Crazy Frog Presents Crazy Hits, and still at number one, it's Broken Side. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it. But I don't think we're going to be having an album that gets anywhere near any of those records this week, I have to say, Ooh, just as a little spoiler. Spoiler alert. I mean, I do agree with you, but spoiler, but sure. Mm should become very clear almost immediately when i start talking about the weirdness by the stooges like i said the fourth full-length album from the stooges released on the 5th of march 2007 before we go any further renfrey Mm -hmm. i think it's worth saying that the stooges when they split in 1974 during that period between let's say between albums just to make it as kind of broad as possible um we'll get into the specifics as we go when the stooges split in 1974 i'm not sure they would have ever imagined that they were about to become one of the biggest and most important cult bands in the history of music. I believe that the Stooges are one of the most important, integral, essential, and just brilliant bands that the world has ever produced. And I am happy to put the Stooges in and alongside the category of bands such as the Beatles, Chuck Berry, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Madonna, Prince, Michael Jackson, Sex Pistols, uh, Nirvana, Dr. Dre, whichever huge artist, Bob Dylan, you want to chuck in, I honestly would and say, oh, what, as important as that? Yes, Hmm. literally every single one of them. To me, the Stooges are that important Mm. i think in terms of influence um i think it's very difficult to deny that and i would completely agree with you um in terms of commercial aspirations the stooges never got anywhere near surely every single artist that you just mentioned there um but um maybe maybe the pistols maybe yeah Mm. at the time i still think sex pistols would be more of a household name than the Stooges certainly in the UK Um, I don't know if that would be worldwide but certainly in the UK I um, 
I, the way that I look at the Stooges, I kind of compare them to Led Zeppelin, which seems like a bit of a weird comparison, but in the way that Led Zeppelin weren't strictly a metal band, but had a massive, massive influence on metal bands. In fact, Led Zeppelin weren't a metal band at all. I think the Stooges had a massive influence on punk, but they weren't strictly a punk band. You actually just described them as a proto-punk band, which I think is, you know, uh, fair. Um but there are, I mean, there's all sorts of things to the Stooges sound, really. Um, jazz, like, well, there's a lot going on. But in terms of that garage rock and that punk, those punk rock scenes, the influence that they had on both of them was astronomical. And to think, I mean, we usually say that the first punk album was the Ramones debut album, which was what, 74, 75? 76. 76, fuck, there we go. And, you know, the Stooges released their self-titled debut in 1969 so yeah. yeah it's true i mean look you know the stooges kind of ironically considering what we're going to be the the reaction to this record kind of ironically the stooges were pretty much despised by the majority of people who were listening to music in the late 60s and into the early 70s absolutely despised and derided and thought of as you know really really they had the same sort of things you know you read those old reviews of early black sabbath albums they get an absolute kick in black sabbath an yeah absolute kick in and the stooges had the same thing so this reinvention of how people felt about the stooges from you know when we get to the reaction to this record you know 30 something odd years later is quite ironic really i think they were definitely helped by the rise of grunge and alternative rock in the 90s and the, certainly the popularity of the White Stripes and the Hives and the Strokes and the garage rock revival of the first half of the 2000s. That became a time when the Stooges really went, I think, from being a cool band to name drop to being thought of as one of the most integral and essential bands to the evolution of guitar music mm. ever not to get into it too much here because we will be talking about the stooges at length uh, at some point on a classic album um but uh i always felt like the stooges were in the right place at the wrong time um as i mentioned their debut album came out in 1969 which of course is the summer of love and uh they were very aggro and very in your face and you got Iggy Pop bleeding all over himself on stage and it was very far away from the mood of the time i think uh but in terms of influence yeah absolutely they they and yeah. they did it with three three records you know mm. um it's astonishing really they i think in their initial incarnation they had less than 2 hours of music recorded mm. anyway so it's mm. astonishing really and because they were never really in style, it means that they never really went out of style. And I think when you listen to how fresh and how incredible they still sound to these to, to this day, those records, that they could have come out during grunge, they could have come out during that garage rock thing, they certainly could have come out during the first couple of waves of punk. And actually, they had a hell of a lot of bands that we talk about and champion in the, in, at the moment who are... are whose entire blueprint and foundation is that scratchy, discordant, garagey punk thing. Slightly Absolutely. better produced, I'll grant you, because, mm, mm, mm. you know, it is easier to produce yourself. You know, the tools are more readily available to you than they were back in, in, the, in the late 60s. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. 
I think it's important to say that. I absolutely agree with you. I was about to say the only thing is the production uh, obviously does mark it to a particular time. But bar that, yeah, musically, absolutely. They're very, very timeless, the Stooges, I think. So what I'm saying basically is, is, is you have to like the Stooges. When I become Prime Minister, you will be thrown in jail for not liking the Stooges. Oh, that's going to be a that's going to be a problem because there's a lot of people who won't like the Stooges, and we only have a okay. limited amount of space in terms of jail. Sorry. So, as, as lead, second I'm in command, to, I'm assuming I'm going to be second in command when you're Prime yeah, Minister. Yeah, you right? can be like the Rishi Sunak to my. Oh, <laughs> what a compliment! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, to my Joris Bonson and. Um, <laughs> Well, the thing is, Renfrew, I'm planning on, um, uh, I'm going to legalise hate speech, right. drugs, murder, speeding. <laughs> uh, what else to go to prison for? And uh, that's it, really. That should do it. Okay. Right. Okay. So that will free up some space. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Well, well, what a great manifesto. I was going to say, oh, I'm going to f- make it, tax dodgers will be fine. Well, they kind of already are, aren't they? Otherwise, we'd have... Jeff Bezos would be in jail right now, wouldn't he? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes. There'll be a little bit of politics. Little bit of politics. Like a very, very, very little bit of politics for you there. Anyway, look, I think we've established the fact the context surrounding the Stooges is the Stooges are very, very important. Yes, undoubtedly. And a, and a, and a great band. Uh, so let's get on and chat about what happened that got us to this period. So like I said, 1974, they split up. Iggy Pop, very successful solo artiste. Punk happens, post-punk happens. Hardcore grunge, garage rock. Where we all love the Stooges. Great, that's where we are. (laughs) (laughs) Drummer Scott Ashton and his brother Ron, who played guitar and bass. Um, Well, he played guitar and bass on Iggy Pop's 2003 album Skull Ring. We were going to get a little bit into Iggy Pop solo stuff uh, a little bit later i believe but i like skull ring i think it's all right yeah it's pretty good it's skull ring oh skull ring's the one that features members of some 41 and green yes. day and well, all sorts of things let's you know let's not <laughs> just focus on that <laughs> but no i do actually think skull ring um is a is a good record i like i like skull ring a lot as well the some 41 song is appalling i have to say it's, it's not great fucking appalling it's not it's great. not great but as a record, as, well, isn't it? as a record, oh yes, it does a piece. As a record overall, I like Skull Ring. Um, yeah, I previous do. to Skull Ring, there was Beat 'Em Up as well. I think Iggy was That's having really good. Yeah, really good album, Beat 'Em Up. I think um, Iggy Pop was having a really good uh, 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 time of it at that point mm. in terms of the quality of his material. Because we have to, we discussed this uh, off air, so to speak. We Iggy Pop's solo career has been very up and down. I think it's fair it has, to say. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was actually, you've written, you've said exactly what I oh. have put as a side note. And side note, Iggy was on really good form over these years. With yeah. 2001's Beat Them Up, having some great shit on it too. Yeah. That's verbatim. V-I-P. Yeah. yeah. Great, great <laughs> album, Beat Them Up. Heavy as well, isn't it? It's quite heavy. Yeah. It's quite heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not all of it, but like when it's heavy, it feels really heavy. And I think Skull Ring, it showed that even though he was getting on a bit and he was getting a bit older, he still had that that fury people might not really i mean i think if anything it'd be more surprising to someone who isn't familiar with iggy pop stuff i think they'd be more surprised by stuff like lust for life and the idiot 
and the fact mm. that those records aren't particularly sonically heavy. Um, I mean, in terms of sonics, Lust for Life is probably the heaviest song on Lust for Life, which yeah. you know, which everyone knows as the opening song to Train Spotting. Um, but you know, they're they're quite. I mean, this was the Bowie period, and and Bowie had a massive, massive uh, influence on Iggy Pop around that mm. time, and you can hear shitloads of Bowie in um in those records particularly tonight which happens to be my favorite iggy pop solo song but and and probably probably one of the least sort of linked to his um deranged persona yeah but then i mean well well, when we do the aftermath of this uh, the last couple of iggy pop albums like have been really good i think and i think songs like um you mentioned beat beat him up songs like football on Beat Him Up, which yeah. is not necessarily what first comes to mind when you think Iggy Pop, but it's, you know, even though there's some heavy songs on that record, he, you know, he's, he's good. He's a good crooner. Yeah, absolutely. The crooning began with the Bowie period. I don't think there was much crooning with the Stooges stuff. There wasn't any crooning with the Stooges stuff, was there? No. But um, actually, Tonight is a really good example of Iggy Pop's croon. Everything will be all right tonight. Off he goes. Good. Come I go. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so Scott Ashton and Ron Ashton played on Skull Ring in 2003. Later that year, the Stooges officially reformed. And it's slightly before the big Reformation overkill that happened. It's pre-Pixies, basically. It if is, Pixies yeah. is the thing that kicks the door down, Stooges did get there just a little bit beforehand. Yeah. By, it by should a be noted. smidgen, but only just. Just by a yeah. smidgen. Yeah, they did. Mm. Yeah. yeah. To, I would have to say, far less fanfare than the, than the Pixies. Far less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike Watt of the Minutemen, the bass legend that he is, replaced the late Dave Alexander on bass for this reformation. Watt had played a set of Stooges covers with the Ashton Brothers and Jay Massish of Dinosaur Junior. Of Dinosaur Junior. I don't know how you. I don't know how you pronounce his name. No, I don't know. Trying to do it properly. I know people get annoyed because we deliberately pronounce things wrong (laughs) all the time. But I'm happy to go with that. I'm happy to go with. The, Jay Massish. Uh, well, I'm I'm happy Massish. to I'm happy to go with the idea that we deliberately pronounce things wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. They played a festival in Belgium, a one-off performance with those three and the Dinosaur Junior frontman, and also Mike Watt had played bass for Iggy doing a set of Stooges covers at the Shortlist Awards in 2002 as well. So Mike Watt was brought into Stooges, which I think is a pretty fucking decent. More, more than a decent person to have at your disposal to bring in because Mike Watt is a very, very fluid and a very dependable, very fluid and very unique bass player, I think. It makes a lot of sense bringing in Mike Watt. Um, the Minutemen were, again, I don't know if I'd strictly call them a grunge band, but very, very influential to grunge. They are featured a lot in Everybody Loves Our Town that book that you wang on about yeah. a lot and, yeah, and yeah, fair yeah. enough that you wang on about it because it is very very good um, but in, certainly in terms of influencing a lot of the grunge movement and stuff the Minutemen have a lot uh, mm-hmm. did a lot of that sort of stuff and Mike Watt played with so many people he did like a yeah. side project with Eddie Vedder and all sorts of things so yeah Mike yeah Watt's well he took Foo, Foo Fighters and oh, so yes. Dave Grohl and Eddie Vedder were off on tour with the support that was their yes. first tour 
Uh, it was Foo Fighters and what was the Eddie Vedder project? I want to say Hoover Driver, but that's not a Hoover, band. It, uh, it's right? like Hoover Dam or something like that. Yeah. Um, fuck, I really should know this, shouldn't I? You should. Uh, yeah. we, we, we talked about it in the Foo Fighters classic album special. Yeah. So go and listen to that. Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash right act podcast. It only costs you five quid a month just to know. Or you can Google Eddie Vedder's band <laughs> if you're feeling a bit strapped for cash. So anyway, um, the Stooges were back and they played that famous set of download in 2004 where they sat on the bill below Linkin Park and Sum 41, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and got a massive got a massive stage invasion, load of people getting up on stage and dancing around with Iggy and all that stuff. It always looked quite good. And then everybody went home, or they could have done it, should, should have done it, really. Yeah. But that became quite a kind of famous thing, didn't it? I think that put them back on, because suddenly people were like, oh, yes, we hadn't really seen Iggy Pop within... Like, I'm not sure. Did he play? I think he played Reading like once in in the kind of mid 90s to early noughties when I was going. Yeah. But I don't really remember Iggy Pop doing lots of stuff that was, how would you call it, Kerrang centric until around this time. Uh, maybe not. I mean, Kerrang was certainly covering him. And mm. I remember him, I remember seeing him support Green Day in Cardiff, at Cardiff Castle, in yeah. 2004. Is that uh, good? I thought it was brilliant, but the majority mm-hmm. of the crowd fucking hated it. Like Green Day. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, you've made this point. Uh, but the majority, <laughs> like, it was a very, very vitriolic crowd. And, you know, I think Green Day knew full well that, like, in terms of influence and stuff, Iggy Pop should have been headlining. <laughs> but they gave him, like, 75 yeah. minutes uh, because wow. like, he was, he was like, the very special guest kind of thing. So they gave him a 75 yeah, yeah. minute set. And people were fed up of it after about 15 minutes. But that just goaded Iggy even more, and it, which is why it was brilliant. It's probably the best Iggy Pop set I've ever seen because. Everyone fucking hated him. It was amazing. The nerve of Green Day fans to give Iggy Pop shit. The that, fucking nerve of those cunts. That was on Warning as well, which which I I quite like as an album, but I certainly don't. You know, it's certainly not Green Day's best moment by any stretch of the imagination. I tell you what, those cunts are definitely going to jail. <laughs> you know what? I'm, no, I'm setting up a political party right now, just so. <laughs> I can get elected on the basis of people who went who booed Iggy Pop at Green Day go to jail. Okay, hanging's too good for remembering. <laughs> All right, I think I said it was two thousand and four. I've just no, it was two thousand two uh, yeah. because two thousand and four Green Day would have been American Idiot. American so, Idiot. Yeah, yeah. so mm. it was two thousand two. Mm. That was so they had hundred reasons sponge. Oh, what a I day. remember the lineup. I remember thinking yeah. that is actually a very good lineup. I think A played, didn't rival a, schools play. Yeah, rival schools Pat are in Dan. Nottingham, annoyingly, but um, yeah, because okay. they had, it was Distortion Festival or something like that, and the Nottingham lineup was far better. I think it had multiple stages, and there was just one stage at Cardiff. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cap Down, yeah. yeah, Cap Down did play. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go to that because I'm not paying to see Green Day, <laughs> but. <laughs> but um, I did look at it and I was like, oh, that would be a good day. It was. An early night. It was a really good day. Yeah. yeah. Nice. 
So in 2005, the band's back catalogue was remastered and reissued. And these are the versions that I went out and bought around that time, which Same. made me go completely fucking crazy for the Stooges. Completely crazy. Same. I liked White Stripes and I liked the Hives. And I think, you know, I didn't mind the Strokes. And there are a bunch of those garage rock bands who I thought were sort of all right. By 2005, I have to be honest, I was a little bit bored of it. And so... I don't know what led me to never because I, you know, I listened to I, I, I Lust for Life when Lust for, when when, when Trainspotting happened, and Lust for Life came along. I was like, oh, this is wicked, and you know, Iggy Pop and American Caesar is the album that I remember kind of coming out or being one that was in the shops a lot, and I got that. And I that's I don't think that's particularly considered the great the greatest Iggy Pop album, but I actually think it's pretty fucking good. Okay. Maybe it's just because it was the first one i heard in full and then yeah like the idiot and lust for life and all that stuff and but i for some whatever reason i'd always gone oh uh, i'm not gonna buy a stooges album i think it was a, a, a 1960s early 1970s thing yeah like i didn't i wasn't i was like i, I don't get on with that production and stuff and yeah pre-nirvana can it really be good you know anything <laughs> that comes out before nirvana like you did that that, that mindset was sort of yeah but when these albums were re-released, that was a time where I was like, perfect, I'm going to get them. This is the thing. And here in Funhouse, again, I don't want to get into it too much, really, because we will do Funhouse on a classic album or Riot Act one day. But I just I just was completely blown away with how brilliant they were. Completely blown away. And I think, again, it, a whole new generation of people started listening to that band because of those reissues i think i think i would say so it was it was around the same time that i got into them i was aware of um i want to be your dog and i also knew raw power because um but actually i only knew raw power because of the guns and roses cover on the spaghetti incident and i'd always been interested in the stooges and certainly iggy pop was a character who i was very familiar with and who i had a lot of respect for and you know i'd seen all the images of him bleeding all over the crowds and stuff like that um but yeah it probably around 2004 five was probably around the time that because of that garage rock revival i picked up those first three stooges records and uh loved them really really loved them particularly funhouse mm. and raw power yeah fucking brilliant the band then in the studio decided not to become a sort of nostalgia thing and just come along and play the hits and fuck off they in the studio with steve albini to record a set of new material in october 2006 mike watt actually made an online daily diary of the recording of the album but it has since for some random reason been deleted mm. from the internet which mm. is a shame I was sort of hoping to go back and get into the actual recording process of this because mm. there's not really any information about that at all. Perhaps he put it up and, and he hadn't thought to uh, seek anyone's permission uh, and um, maybe they just decided, oh, actually, we don't really want that out there. I don't know. I mean, when, when an explanation isn't given, it's usually something quite dull like that. But, um, yeah, that's what I thought when I read that. Steve Albini seems like a, a good choice as a, in the production chair, though, doesn't he? Steve Albini is a perfect choice to do the Stooges, I think. Rough, raw, ready, no nonsense, no bells and whistles. Um, 
on paper, Steve Albini is an absolutely spot-on choice for a new Stooges album. And um, I don't recall hearing that Steve Albini was producing it prior to the record coming out. But if I had heard that, I'd be like, oh, brilliant. That's that's perfect. So perfect. Like, it's, it's difficult to think exactly of a more... Exactly what you want. It's a difficult to think of a more perfect synergy between producer and band, really. Mm. Who, I mean, who, who would have been... Who, who would have... Who else would have been... What, for the Stooges? For the Stooges. Or... Better than Steve Albini. It's, I mean... Uh, it's hard to say, isn't it, really? Um, everyone I'm, who pops into my head, I go, they've actually got a far more melodic sensibility than that, which might have tempered it a little bit on paper. Anyway. It's very, yeah, it's very difficult to say. To say. I was going to say, like, Walter Schreifels has recorded some really great records, and actually he's done bad like, hot water music, but again, I think he's, he tends to bring, to make stuff pop a bit more. Not necessarily yeah. what you need so, so much from a Stooges record. Mm. They also brought back Steve Mackay as well, who was responsible for who had actually been touring with them. He is a member of the band, really, but he's sort of still considered a guest musician yeah. on this record. But really, I mean, he rejoined them in 2003. I think Coachella, they came back, was like their big comeback show. And he was with them from then pretty much up until when he died yes a little bit he so, does all the sax stuff and anyone yeah. who's listened to fun house in particular will be mm-hmm. aware that he was very important for the sound of that record yeah so you'd think you know all the elements seem to be in place here yeah for people are really excited it's not been an album for a really long time you've got really good live shows you've got a front man who is a successful solo artist in his own right, releasing good records. You seem to pick the right producer. You've got the original lineup, bar the one member who you couldn't get back, and you've replaced him with somebody who seems stylistically, artistically, personality-wise, a really, really good choice for you. I think I, I, I'm reading through for the research for this particular one. In terms of the broken, the other sixty broken records that we have covered everything on paper was about as right as it could be yeah it's weird isn't it um which is certainly not the case when you look back at all the other you know there's usually something where you go okay well that's where it went wrong or or actually with these broken records there's a number of factors way well, well, that was a bad idea that was a bad idea that was a bad idea and a lot of the time before they even got into the studio you're like well this isn't gonna work but with this one, uh, no, it all sounds pretty exciting. And it's like, yeah, this should be really good. I only have one theory about what expect because of... I only have one slight theory. I'm going to get into it. I guess that they were pretty much the first comeback band. In 2007, post the Pixies, a lot of people reformed. And it started to get a bit exhausting. But no one had actually put any music out yet, really. Not many people had actually put any music out yet. And so the Pixies had come back. We hadn't had any new material from them. We spoke about Kiss last week. I mean, Kiss has been back back and forth for a, a long time. And yeah, I guess, you know, they were releasing music a bit. 
but then we had no new black sabbath black mm-hmm. sabbath were coming back and going and coming back and going we hadn't had new black sabbath yet alice and chains reformed this particular year that we're talking about or just reformed we're still a few years away from black gives way to blue rage against the machine later reformed in 2008 so you know we still haven't even had any music for them now anyway mm-hmm. uh my bloody valentine reunited the year that this record came out took them another six years before they released the record we're still waiting on chinese democracy let alone the once in a lifetime tour guns yeah. and roses weren't the original guns and roses and we still hadn't had Soundgarden, faith no more stone temple pilots hole the libertines blink 182 blur all of those bands that went on to reform those really really big bands none of them had actually reformed at this at this point but lots of bands had lots of bands had reformed the smashing pumpkins in 2006 while the stooges were recording this record smashing pumpkins came back and straight away released the album zeitgeist which is not the best although that did come out 2007 oh did it to come out okay fine uh new york dolls released one day it will please us to remember even this which was actually fairly well received but you know the new york dolls again a big artist to be reforming very very comparable to stooges Hmm. took them a couple of years they did get an album out fair play to them and i guess the only other one i can think of is strays by jane's addiction who'd kind of come back and gone and come back and gone a few times and strays is is a decent album i think it actually has aged not as well as i remember i like it less now than i did when it first came out i thought it was brilliant i now i don't think it stands up to those first couple of jane's addiction albums whereas before i was like oh they're just it's it's nearly as good it's not nearly as good but it's pretty good no but it is it is still a pretty decent record um i mean i i don't mind strays at all it's interesting to note though isn't it that quite a lot of those records i mean i don't think strays got a terrible reception i've just looked up very quickly on metacritic it's got a score of 75 i guess yeah there hadn't been all that many of these records that come out from reunion bands and the majority that had the new york dolls which did all right smashing pumpkins zeitgeist i think you're right i don't think zeitgeist is the best smashing pumpkins album by any stretch of the imagination but i also i think that that is a record which got a lot of uh unnecessary it got a lot of crap thrown at it that record and probably unfairly i remember Koran giving it two k's which um doesn't seem right to me i think it's better than that i remember Koran giving it two k's and yeah. hence why i didn't listen to it yeah at the yeah time. which is where we come on to the critical reaction from the weirdness i guess yes. because due to the critical reaction to the weirdness i never listened to it i'm exactly the same right i didn't listen to it because i had literally just discovered how great the stooges were probably a year a year and a bit beforehand and i didn't want this band who i absolutely loved and this material which i was still going through and continuing to dive deeper and deeper into and obsessing over i didn't want what i was told was a shit version of this thing that i had just discovered and loved so i was like i'm gonna park that and in parking it, I just sort of never listened to it. Same. I remember, I think I, again, I think it was Kerrang! And again, I think it was 2Ks and reading it and um, them, you know, not liking it at all. And thinking, oh, that's a shame. And hence never listening to it until earlier today. 
I mean, I, I do wonder if people, because we hadn't had loads of these reunion records yet, I do wonder if people's ex- hadn't really come round to realising that their expectation levels should be somewhat tempered by a band doing that. Maybe, yes. I think that could be a large factor of it, yeah. And also, let's also bear in mind that I think in terms of the gap, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, the gap was only seven years between records. I don't know the gap with the New York Stoles, but I don't think it would have been as big. Well, it wouldn't have been as big as the Stooges, obviously. I don't think it was far off, actually, mate. Probably wasn't far off, but I don't think it would have been as big. Surely not. Yeah, it's not as big. So, yeah, 1974 to 2006. There we go. So 32 years, where with the Stooges... It's 34. It's 34. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know, maybe Abba's beaten that now, but I don't, at the time, surely it must have been the biggest gap between records for like a modern recording artist. Was it not like 34 years? It's very difficult to think. It's big that, isn't it? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'm, try, I'm trying to think. Um, no, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone. Yeah. So there's this massive expectation, massive gap, massively beloved band, and we aren't yet aware that, hey, you know, if you wait 34 years between albums, probably aren't going to sound that similar, unfortunately, because, you know, there's a big gap. Mm, mm. I mean, like you said, what was, the, what was the gap between King Animal? 15 years between King Animal and Down on the Upside, and I'd say that there's a fairly large gap in terms of quality between those records so but i kind of thought well there probably would be because mm. no Soundgarden for 15 years and yeah makes sense right i like king animal more than you do but i certainly I, I think down on the upside is a far superior record to king animal yeah definitely yeah imagine king animal 20 years after it came out though imagine if we're mm. still 10 years away from getting king animal yeah Imagine what it would sound like then. Yeah. Probably not great. Yeah. So anyway, like I say, you know, the reviews of it did put me off. And I do wonder if there was something in the reviews of people just being a little bit too excitable for their own good. This album has a score of 44 out of 100 on Metacritic, which doesn't actually sound terrible. I mean, you know, it, it's bad. It's not a good score, but it's not terminal in the sense of there are some albums that we will cover that are only here purely because you look at their Metacritic score and you're like, wow, it's single digits you know and i know nothing about those records other than look at that everybody fucking hates it it is worth pointing out though that it's a score of 44 based on 32 reviews Mm. um and obviously the more reviews you have the more uh the more conducive to the general feeling that it is and i do think it is fair to say that I mean, I I look back at this record and thought that pretty much everyone tore it apart. That isn't strictly true. There are seven. There is out of those thirty-two reviews, only seven are in any way positive. That yeah, that, according to Metacritic, I think I mm. think a positive review is I think it's like sixty to a hundred. It might even be it might be seventy to a hundred. I can't remember. Mm. But then media mixed is like forty to seventy, and then negative is like. Yeah, naught to forty or something. And there's eleven negative reviews. There's eleven negatives, fourteen mixed, and seven positives. But obviously, you know, according to the numbers, that's a mixed 
response to the record and 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 it is it's just that that there were quite a few really negative ones which bring down that aggregate score the ones where they kill it they really kill it so yeah they really do pitchfork gave it one out of ten and said when iggy changed his surname from stooge to pop for raw power there was no small amount of cheek involved in suggesting this self-mutilating drug sponge had aspirations to be a pop idol but by this point, Iggy is pop. You've seen him in iMac and Motorola ads, on Deep Space Nine and in Snow Day and singing with Sum 41. So by default, the strategy is now to subvert from within. If the old Stooges didn't give a shit about Vietnam, the reformed Stooges, Iggy plus Ron and Scott Ashton with Mike Watt replacing the late Dave Alexander on bass, are at least paying attention to Iraq. But it's this very attempt to infuse the Stooges with some rip-from-the-headlines currency that ultimately downgrades the weirdness from being a passable ageing rocker reunion album, reunion album into an atrocious one. An album that hideously disgraces the band's original work. Alt-Press? Alt-Press? Now you think, fucking, why are you even thinking about the Stooges? <laughs> Alt-Press. But anyway, Alt Press gave it 0.5 out of 5. So basically 1 out of 10. It wasn't bad enough that you've dragged the Stooges' legacy through the mud with that miserable Live in Detroit DVD. Now you've officially taken a dump on its chest and set the the top log on fire by recording this postnatal abortion under the Stooges' banner. I'm listening to Free and Freaky, the third track on this new, horrible Stooges album, and possibly the worst song ever, ever written by anyone anywhere, and I can't believe you actually just rhymed Obama with Dalai Lama and Baby's Mama. You've cranked out a lot of spurious, ill-conceived garbage over the years, Iggy, but everything was okay as long as the Stooges trilogy remained intact. But now you've gone and ruined that too. What were you thinking? You used to be so cool, Iggy. Fuck. Taking that rather personally, hasn't he? Worst song ever recorded. That review clearly to to Brandon by Motley Crue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Madness. Q gave it 3 out of 10, saying, where once they were a glorious mess, here they are simply a mess. The Guardian gave it one star, saying, with the once explosive Ron Ashton laying down shockingly rudimentary punk riffs. Can I just say, to, to cut in there, this is, to me, this is the, the, the rewriting of history that I find quite bizarre about it all. Shockingly rudimentary punk riffs. The Stooges wrote very very rudimentary music yeah exactly uh, why 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 are you saying that like it's a bad thing or did you just not like the stooges like what the fuck i i do agree with you i'm gonna slightly i think me i think overall i think if you take an album like funhouse again we're not gonna get into this too much but if you take an album like funhouse i don't think the music overall is rudimentary but uh ron ashton's guitar riffs have always been relatively and you know this is rudimentary in a but i wouldn't use the word rudimentary but this, they they've always been simple the yeah. riff to i want to be your dog it's your classic three chord punk riff so ron ashton's stuff i'm not saying this in a negative sense but ron ashton's mm-hmm. guitar riffs have always been fairly simple mad to think that people i mean you know why are you saying that shockingly rudimentary like it's yeah that's like, the, the, what were the, you expecting they always have been yeah yeah uh with ron ashton laying down shockingly rudimentary punk riffs the old stooges struggle to erect a tribute to themselves 
The crooned title track throws some unexpected doors-like shapes, but Pop's lyrics about his penis and ATMs are beyond self-parody. Trolling, I see your hair as energy. My dick is growing tall as a tree. May actually be the dumbest thing he has ever recorded. The Stooges bowed out in 1974 amid a torrent of raw eggs. Finally, the weirdness responds in kind. Drowned in Sound gave it 3 out of 10, calling it devoid of inspiration, lacking in any edge. This is pathetic. Pop Matters gave it 3 out of 10, saying like every other inferior album by a defunct cult band that has unexpectedly reunited, it is a danger to the band's legacy. The BBC were a little more reasonable, I think, saying this is a punk album with 12 short tracks that race by in 40 minutes, fast, tight and ready for action. It's entertaining, exuberant and fun. The NME gave it 7 out of 10 saying being back with the old team seems to have reinvigorated pop whose smart dumb persona legendary drawl he's one of the only people in the world that can make sartre rhyme with mods and dry wit combine here in lyrical assaults on self-indulgent rock stars the bovine middle classes grasping rock biz phonies and gold diggers indeed despite the fact that his face is now wrinklier than pete doherty's scrotum charming Trolling season boasts about driving around in his Cadillac, picking up young girls enough, to, picking up girls young enough to be his grandchildren. Rock critics, he laughs, wouldn't like this at all. Wrong again. Sure, the weirdness rarely comes close to capturing the feral magic of the, the band's vintage work, even if Mexican guy is built in the same rhythm as 1969. But hey, it's the Stooges, and that should be enough for anyone rolling stone gave it a kind of apologetic seven out of ten saying you know how reunion albums work you listen for the playing not for the songs which are mediocre at best it landed at number 130 on the u.s billboard top 200 chart and number 81 on the uk album charts for a band as influential coming back that's not particularly great but then i do think i do think at this point critics still had a pretty big voice i didn't listen to it because of the reviews yeah you didn't listen to it because of the reviews yeah, exactly you brought up zeitgeist by smashing pumpkins i didn't listen to that we've just done diorama by Silverchair, which i did not listen to because of the reviews mm. all of them roughly within sort of five, a five-year period of each other so even though it was the noughties and i've you know i i very much doubt today if we turned around to you and reviewed an album by a big band that you really liked and said this is fucking rubbish like the new offspring album whatever i'm sure people who like offspring still went uh fuck them like <laughs> do you know what i'm gonna listen to it anyway because it's on spotify i might as well give it i might as well give it 20 minutes yeah yeah the, the streaming culture wasn't as in i mean it was still piracy um round round this time so that's the thing i think people put a lot more stock in reviews because of course what does it cost you to just sit down and press play on an album on Spotify just the the length of time that you listen to it which is barely anything and and you can you can decide for yourself so um yeah i'm sure that had some part to play in it i'm sure but anyway that's what people thought about it that's what happened to it but remfrey what do you think about the stooges album the weirdness I think we've sort of already given it away um, ever Mm. so slightly that we are not on board with the more scabrious reviews and the more scabrious comments. That said, I think quite, you know, quite smartly, you read out the most negative uh, comments that it got there and probably some of the most positive ones as well. The, The truth of it, as is so often the case, is 
this is somewhere in the middle the the mixed reviews that i saw i i think the one that summed it up for the the most for me which was a i assume a five out of ten from the new york times the spirit is there even when in some cases the songwriting is not and there was a lot of people in those reviews saying that basically the weirdness ruins the Stooges legacy and this is going to be an issue now when we look back at the Stooges and we think about all their albums blah 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 I don't think this album is anywhere near legacy ruining to be honest I I don't think it's a great record if I'm honest as well I don't think it's amazing um it's you know you just mentioned diorama there by silver chair well not a patch on i mean it's a completely different record but not a patch on that i i i think zeitgeist is a better record by the pumpkins than this album um or certainly closer to the spirit of 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 that band than the weirdness is but i think the thing with this album and the reason why it's not as horrendous as a lot of those people said the songs are not particularly memorable on it there's a couple of bits which are like not bad and there are actually a couple of songs on this that i actually really like um but i think the spirit that they play with and stuff i think it still sounds like the stooges Mm. and the the worst comeback records are the ones where they've got so far away from what they initially did like so 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 far away that there isn't any there isn't any semblance of what that old band used to sound like and this is played in a very rough raw way um there's an argument to say that maybe it's a little bit too raw in some cases there are a couple of songs on it where iggy is basically out of tune (laughs) admittedly um and you know you could argue there are definitely a lot of producers who would have gone let's tidy that up a bit steve albini is not one of those producers and i think it's probably it's probably better that they didn't tidy it up i might have said can we retake that (laughs) maybe but you know um but it's not it's it's it is ramshackle but it's the fucking stooges it like if it weren't ramshackle that would be far worse to me than Mm. than what we get in that it is ramshackle there are you know there were allusions made to some of the embarrassing lyrics and there there are a few stanzas on this record the the dick is hard as a tree thing is yeah. a little bit like oh, all right fine but the, the song... stooges fight poverty in secret yeah on atm being chanted over and over again is really is weird. is is a is a bit weird and so cert- yeah it's certainly not you know i'm a walking cheetah with a heart of napalm i fucked up that lyric you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's certainly not that but uh, uh, compared to uh, i mean compared to so many of the lyrical stanzas that we've talked about on this podcast with other bands there's nothing even even the my dick is as hard as a tree she is your mum yeah (laughs) i mean it's nowhere near as bad no. as i i'm i'm slightly saddened that those lyrics came from someone who i like and admire and respect but it hasn't like ruined anything for me well the, here's the thing right is that when i when i listen to a song like free and freaky right 
mm. on this record, which has got an undeniable earworm, but a very, very silly chorus. Yeah. And it's a silly song in general, to be honest. And But it kind of works for me because it's lovely to hear an old band just be okay with being that dopey. And I think something that The Guardian and Pitchfork and the more kind of serious outlets, the more chin-strokey outlets, this reinvention of in their mind of because the stooges are important the stooges are important just like the ramones are uh, 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 you know equal is important i mean i'd still would put pit the stooges above the ramones personally but have you they, they seem to have forgotten how deliberately obnoxious the stooges could be back in the day they are a proto-punk band they are a punk band this is about garage rock punk rock chaos simplicity and being fucking obnoxious. Yeah. And yes, yes, you know, 30, 40 years down the line, you can intellectualise how, you know, much like we... I mean, I guess like we did... You know, we did it a bit with Idols. the uh, yeah. And Discharge and bands like that. And you can look at it and you go, there's something... There's genius in the simplicity of what those bands do. But never forget, never forget that the simplicity is the thing that makes it just sound good. You know, that like th- that instantaneous thing that it has, they're not fucking Pink Floyd or Radiohead. You can talk about them in the same breath as those bands because what they've done is so important and what they and, and, and the the color the way they colorized the musical landscape, they filled in a little bit of colour that nobody else had yet was had filled in at that point. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we should be looking at a Stooges album and going well, this is easy and simple. And mm. this, is, I, I thought they were an important band. They should be more clever than this. No, mm. they're the fucking Stooges. Mm. And, you know, there's, there's stuff on this, like, you know, the lyric about your dick being a tree, it's not the best. Trolling is a sort of more weathered version of the thing they've done before. But, but actually, whilst we're on that, the song is called Trolling. And, yeah. and he also says at one point, rock critics wouldn't like this at all. I guess my faith is riding in my balls. He is trolling. Uh, it's in the fucking title. He's trolling. He's doing it on purpose. I'm, I'm, yeah. pre- I'm pretty convinced it's on purpose. I think he knows it's shit. That's kind of the point. Yeah, I, you know. I mean, you know, like they were never a fucking critics band. The Stooges. No. The critics fucking hated them. And I look at stuff like you know, like my idea of fun has a kind of underlying threat that now I want to be your dog has. It's not necessarily, you don't hear it. It's, that, that, it's not got that same level of dread or that same level of swagger that that song had, but at least it is still there. And yeah. at least it's kind of unique and recognisable as the Stooges. It is a pale version of their best work. Yes. But like you said, it is at least recognisable as them as a band. Exactly. If you put that on, I would go, that really sounds like the Stooges. And, you know, there's there's... There's a sort of seesaw of silliness that sometimes they fall down on a bit. Greedy, awful people is a little bit weighted towards the... Like, that's a little bit too silly. But I think really because it's just not that catchy a song. I think there are a few times... There are definitely a few songs where you go, I don't think that lives up. I mean, most of this record doesn't live up to the Stooges' legacy. But then I never, ever would have expected it to anyway. No. Um, I think... One track that I do genuinely really like, the title track, I think... Yeah. I mean... It's like an, it's like an Iggy Solo track, more well, than a Stooges track, right? It's certainly... A, he adopts that croon that 
he had never adopted prior to the Stooges. Uh, and that's played over, again, a really simplistic riff, but no more simplistic than I Want to Be Your Dog or anything like that. And then when the sax, the weird saxy stuff comes in at the end, it is like, this isn't a million miles away from Funhouse. Is it as good as Funhouse? No. But it's uh, it's recognisably the Stooges. And yeah, it's the Stooges 34 years on or whatever. But I don't think it's an absolute travesty. There, I think this album almost certainly would have been better if they'd focused on less ideas and worked on them more. Everything goes by very quickly. And I mean, to be honest with you, considering the albums we've done on Broken Records, I'd much rather stuff goes too quickly than too... Well, there's so many records that we sat down and they're like 35 minutes Fucking, long. It's like, yeah. oh, it feels mm-hmm. so long, this album. You know, this album's 40 minutes. It's 12 songs. Uh, the Stooges in the past, I mean, their albums had uh, eight songs, seven songs, eight songs, respectively, those first three uh, albums. And I think them constant, I think them filtering out some of the shitter songs. And there's a, there's a couple of songs on here which are a bit, you know, a bit crap. They're not great. Um, nothing that's like Me- Mex- Mexican guy is Mexican rubbish. guy. I mean, it sounds like fucking in the bushes by Oasis. It doesn't sound, <laughs> it doesn't sound like 1969 by the stage. It sounds like fucking in the bushes by Oasis. Yeah, with Iggy Pop like rambling about fucking Frank Zappa and shit over the top of it. Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know if we really need ATM and stuff like that. Like, there, there, there yeah. are there are songs on here which aren't very good at all. Slash borderline bad. Um, but the majority of it is 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 fine, and I do appreciate that you know the Stooges are a band up to this point who didn't write fine material. They wrote they wrote incredible material, but I don't know. I suppose we've had several more years of these reunion albums and several year, more years of disappointment, and we now know more often than not what to expect with this stuff. I actually think there's an interesting thing going on with reunion albums now, and I actually think that a lot of bands are realizing the right way to do it and we've you know, in the past couple of years we've had a, a wave mm. of fantastic reunion albums We're, so i think that's actually slowly changing but um getting another failure album in a couple of weeks aren't we yeah which is their third since they've come back and they've just bullseyed fucking everything i mean the song from yep. that i've heard from the album is amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah i mean there's yeah. there's loads of examples that you can give i think the slow dive record is the the re the one that they came back with is probably the best album they ever wrote you know faith no more with soul invictus is is a record which absolutely stands up with the rest of their back catalogue there's there's a whole bunch of them that uh genghis tron we did earlier this year is a yeah. fantastic probably Great their record. best record i would say yeah. daughters you know yeah. i mean it, that is it's turning around that now but at this point like we can't, weren't kind of really as aware of of <laughs> that expectation that these albums you know might not be quite up to uh the the old standards but i i mm. i you know i don't think this is a a great record at all and honestly if i'd heard it at the time i probably would have listened to it and been like mm, okay i'm probably not going to go back to this all that much but the idea that i mean one of the reviews i think it was the drowned and Re- sound reviews writing that it was pathetic it's mm. still played with a a vitality of musicians 
well younger than they actually were at the time. There's still a raw, ragged edge to it. And I think what would have been embarrassing is if they'd released a record where that isn't the case, which is well, they, so they, often they, happens. They hinted before they got Steve Albini in, there was, I think Iggy Pop hinted at the fact that they recorded some stuff and it sounded like, in his words, like Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, yeah, yeah. They and recorded so they just eight, ditched it. I believe it was eight songs that they'd recorded. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was being OTT or facetious or whatever, but he said, yeah, it sounded too, it sounded like Bon Jovi and they scrapped it. So, mm. you know, and, and I don't think... There are t- look, there are times when the weirdness sounds like a bad version of the Stooges, but yeah. runs out of massively runs out of steam towards the end for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Mexican yeah. girl, like the last three, not great. Yeah, um, I'm fried. Four, actually, yeah, it's just, passing you know. clouds. The, the passing clouds is that kind of not a very good version of the sort of attunal jazzy pop stuff that they had done and it's just they just don't seem like they're that good i think the, she took my money is one of the ones where where they and the sax comes in on that and they're using the sax a bit like they're not trying to do it's more like a kind of hip shaking yeah uh punk rock song rather than like i say that kind of post jazz freak out that you get yeah. on some bits of funhouse and i was like well you know fair play to you to, to for, for realizing that we're still going to use the sax but maybe we'll do it in a different way we're, we're not quite like in a place where we can make it sound as uh, vibrant and exciting as it maybe did 30 years ago. So instead, we'll just try and write a good song that utilises the sax. And I think when they do that, when they just kind of go, hey, let's just try and write a song that will be memorable, let it be as fucking stupid and as simple and as straight down the line and as stoogesy as we possibly can, I think they often get away with it. Is this as good as, you know, even at its best, does anything live up to the best of the Stooges, not at all, no, not exactly. at all. For but me. it's but it's an not incredibly high, it's a ridiculously high bar. Yeah. So if yeah. you're expecting, go and that. listen to thir- like you know, listen to Thirteen by Black Sabbath, and then put on Master Reality, and yeah. please, you know, it's just it's no point. Um, you know, uh, I, I think so the, I, I think the gap between those records is higher, definitely. That in terms of like how close Sabbath got to what they were doing on those records with Thirteen, then the weirdness like i think the i think the stooges get closer to old school stooges than sabbath did with 13 yeah you may well be right um but ruben wouldn't have been a bad, bad shout for producing this album oh that maybe. could have been interesting it could have been interesting certainly yeah i don't think it would have been as raw and ragged um no. as it was if ruben had done it um in, i mean he's, in 2007 he's, but sure he's actually yeah. got a bit of a hit and miss because people go oh, he's great at reinventing people and getting the best album and stuff and it's like well he's doing with acdc he hasn't with metallica and he's let the red or chili peppers really go to shit and he yeah. didn't really with uh who did he do which oh well black sabbath we were just talking about it. black sabbath yeah. yeah so anyway we will rank this in a minute but broadly it's not great why would you expect it to be it's 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 not amazing but like i say the the quote that gets it the most for me is the new york times the spirit is there even when in some cases the songwriting is not and yes sometimes the songwriting is pretty throwaway and pretty a little bit eye rolling but it's better than black flag though isn't it it's better than fuck me it's better than that black flag record it's better than mm. that clash record it's better than oh so much better almost, than clash record almost everything we've had which is vaguely punky so far mm. um and it's i you know it's just 
it, it is not a brilliant album, but it is not the catastrophe that many critics will lead you to believe. It's okay. Yeah. It's a. It's okay. It's, it's a five out of ten. You know. I was about to say it's a five out of ten. Yeah. yeah. It's a so, five out of ten. It's fine. The band played Glastonbury. I actually watched a bit of their Glastonbury set earlier today. Iggy Pop is sixty years old, and he's fucking great. Yeah, it's really, really great that Glastonbury set. They also played the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony in two thousand eight when Madonna was inducted. Oh, um, she was annoyed. Fucking fair play to Madonna. The Stooges had been put up for nomination for entry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame six times and hadn't got in at that point at all. And Madonna was so annoyed that the Stooges hadn't been put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that rather than her perform, she got the Stooges to perform two of her songs. And, <laughs> like, actually, they're pretty good. Really? Burning Up and Ray of Light, done in a sort of punk rock style They're both pretty good. At the end of Ray of Light, uh, Iggy Pop says, thank you for listening to us. You've made me feel like a virgin touch for the very first time and then slams the microphone down and they all walk off. It's really cool. It's worth seeing for seeing Iggy Pop, not for the, well, for the first time, but not for the last time, jumping down off the stage and walking around the suits at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it's really good to just see Justin Timberlake, who sat next to Madonna with his jaw on the floor, sort of nodding along with his eyes popping out and looking <laughs> super fucking into it and excited. It's actually, it's actually really, really cool. So that was in 2008. Uh, in 2009, Ron Ashton passed away from a heart attack and was called irreplaceable by Iggy in the process. He said that the Stooges died with Ashton, but Iggy and the Stooges can still exist. And they brought back James Williamson, who played guitar on Raw Power, back into the band and obviously continued to tour. And they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of that at all, Renfrey, that it's, again, very good. There's a version of them doing Now I Want to Be Your Dog. Again, Iggy off the stage, trying to get these people in suits on tables, load of stuffy music industry execs, like pointing the mic out to them. And in the end, Billy Joe Armstrong starts a stage invasion and everybody comes up. Trey Cool, Eddie Vedder, Mike McCready grabs a guitar, starts playing it. Anthony Bourdain grabs a guitar as well. he doesn't grab a guitar just jumping up doing back and they're all doing backing vocals a load of other people I think Fallout Boy might have been some of the people that were there as they get up on stage but just a bunch of people get up on stage and start sort of jumping around and I've never seen that happen at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame That's before so awesome. it, it, it's great and they even reduced, released another album Ready to Die in 2013 which was their highest charting album in the US I have to admit, I was completely and utterly unaware that there was a fifth. I mean, is it a fifth Stooges album? Is it an Iggy and the Stooges album? You know, whatever we're going to call it. But like, I was unaware that there was a fifth Stooges record. Um, One that critically certainly did better than this one. Have you heard Ready to Die at all? Yeah, I think it is about the same as this. Okay. Hmm. quality wise yeah interestingly i don't have it up in front of me but that album got a score of like 66 on metacritic or something like that mm-hmm. um which feels like probably what i you know around about what this should be sort of 60 50 something like that you know in my yeah. opinion anyway but like i say it's their highest charting album mm. in the u.s peaking at number 96 pathetic <laughs> pathetic americans 
They split in 2016, which was pretty obvious that that was going to happen as Scott Ashton died in 2014 and Steve Mackay died in 2015. Mm. I saw the Stooges in 2012 supporting Soundgarden at the Garden at Hyde Park. Oh, yes, I saw that gig as well. Very lucky to have seen that show. That was obviously the last time that I saw them. Uh, The only time that I saw the Stooges, in fact. Yes. And, and, um, yeah, like I said, there was a guy next to me shouting about, I mean, it was in Hyde Park, and the whole day was, it was pissing down with rain, horrible weather, Mm. horrible place to watch a gig, Hyde Park. Mm. Yeah. Horrible sound, really bad. A load of people who were just waiting for Black Hole Sun and then they were going to yeah. take selfies themselves all day. Fucking awful, awful day. And this guy was like, oh, send me some car insurance to Iggy Pop while he was on stage. And I fucking chewed him out. <laughs> Absolutely. I turned around and I was like, that is one of the most fucking important musicians in the history of music that you, presumably by being here, would claim to like. And yet you're giving him shit because what is he's a, he's a fucking sellout or something? Is he mad? I was like, mate, you're at Hyde Park, at a <laughs> massive fucking gig, at a, at a massive gig sponsored, sponsored by, by Hard, Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like you know, <laughs> yeah, you're a fucking prick, mate. Anyway, Iggy went on to make the excellent post-pop depression album with Josh Homme in 2016, which is great. I think really suits the uh, the older gentleman that he is now. And I, I have he, to say, I never got into that record. I really struggled with it, but I wouldn't say it's a bad album at all. It's just I really I've like never, it. Yeah, I've always, I've got it, but I've struggled with it. Yeah. Okay. And he's he's an icon now, isn't he? He's a puppet. He's on insurance adverts. He's on the beach. He's on the radio. Yeah. He does all sorts of shit. He's a meme. His yes. chest is a meme. And 2019's free, which I mentioned as well. So he might be due another one soon, I think, because that's been two years now. Pull that kind of, that Nick Cave stroke Robert Plant trick, I think, of doing something a bit more mature and a bit more relaxed. And Iggy Pop actually suits him quite well, I think. And we didn't review that, but I actually, I do I do quite like that record. I think it's I think it's good. It's very much more loush and, you know, it does lean on the horns. There's a lot of that not really stooges horns but he's kept hold of the horny the horny the horn and bra- the brassy thing uh, I didn't want to use brassy because then we'll start talking about that girl save that girl pissing on people <laughs> we'll save that for the show yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he got a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2020 so I'm bringing all of this up just to sort of say because I didn't say it when you said about the legacy thing this thing about this album ruining the stooges legacy there are two options of which you can pick here. It's either A, it really hasn't at all and no one fucking cares. No one even remembers this album. He's still making good records. No one thinks about it. The Stooges are still considered one of the most important bands ever. Or B, you go back to 2007 and this was offending you? Fuck me. You wait till you hear his voiceover on literally every single advert on the fucking television <laughs> and you see him doing adverts for being on the beach and, and all that kind of shit. That will really fucking piss you off. Mm. Either way, this is not this is not the problem. Mm. If you if you don't like Iggy Pop anymore or whatever, this album in the, in the shouldn't be the reason why. And really you should it, it just shouldn't matter in the fucking slightest. Because yeah, this album's not great, but it's, it's just really not a problem 
at all. No, no. And also the way that the world works has changed quite a lot since then. And the idea of selling out due to fucking corporate sponsorship or whatever is not sort of... That's seen as a far sillier attitude to have now than it probably was then, you know. And we're, we're really quite used to seeing old punks do those kind of adverts and stuff like that now because that's how you that's how you you have to put food on the table and that's how a lot of people get to do that i mean this album wouldn't have barely have made the stooges any fucking money whatsoever Thirty thousand copies apparently it sold which is like their big fucking comeback album they get like you know they wouldn't have made any fucking money from the record being released it might might have made a little bit of it from uh touring it but even then i don't think it would have been a ridiculous amount and you know i think yeah I i think this idea of selling out and doing those kind of commercials and things like that just isn't as frowned upon now because the other ways that it you used to be able to make money as a musician have all dried up and disappeared for the most part so that's what you got to do now and i think far yeah, i, I think people are far more accepting of that now yeah i was talking i mean it's a slightly different uh thing but somebody one of my mates the other day was moaning at the cost of a gig ticket oh, i want to go and see i can't remember what it was but i want to go and see it's like 100 it's like 150 quid to go and see whoever they want to go and see and I was like, did you buy their last album on vinyl or CD? And he was like, no. Yeah. I was like, right, well then, Pat, you That's have to give why. them money somewhere, yeah. don't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. That that uh, that is the reason for it. I mean, you can piss and moan about that all you like, and or you can mm. be like, I mean, I, I piss and moan about it because I didn't stop buying albums. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I still have to pay more. Although, actually, I get into a lot of shows for free. So, But still, yeah, quite. Yeah, I was going to say. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's, rank, let's rank this. I think we've already established what the by black flag it goes beneath that it's better than that i think i am looking down here and i would say we've got those run of boring albums and i don't even necessarily think this is a boring album it doesn't bore me it didn't I, i like it didn't feel it wasn't the sort of record that i'd have to listen to in multiple you know listens or anything like that it is very short and sharp but it's Mm -hmm. 40 minutes long and it felt about 40 minutes long yeah yeah which i think means that immediately i want to go it's better than american life by madonna umaguma by pink floyd results may vary by limp biscuit tray by green day primitive cool by mick jagger black and white rainbows by bush three by van halen melodia by the vines and rotation by cute is what we aim for and probably two by tin machine as well i would say just Around the area we get to now, there's a mm. there's a pair there. The Twang, Neon Twang, and Fisher Spoon are number one. I'm going to say, I don't think it's as good as Baby Woman by Naomi Campbell. And I can't believe those words have come out of my mouth. <laughs> Naomi Campbell is musically better than the Stooges. But on, in this instance, I believe that to be the case. I, for, for the record, I, I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. So what we've got here is a three-way little run, in my opinion, between number one by Fisher Spooner, the Twang's Neon Twang, and somewhere around there is where I would say the Stooges should go. Because I do think it's better than Tin Machine, which is was often hideously ill-conceived. And, you know, when they're naming shit like, oh, we sound like Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails. No, <laughs> you fucking yeah, don't. Yeah, At least yeah, it yeah, does yeah. sound like the Stooges. Yeah. Fisher Spooner is not a disastrous record. It's no. a bit long. 
It's a yeah. bit long, but it was a lot of the was... stuff around that record as well, which is pr- probably why it got into yeah, list, isn't it? yeah. And I think Neon Twang actually, we listened to that and we were genuinely quite surprised. We were pleasantly surprised. One of those indie mm. landfill bands could actually write a few decent songs, mm. and I would suggest personally that there are probably more good songs on Neon Twang overall than there are on the weirdness by the stooges again i'm reluctant to agree but i think i do agree with you yeah not reluctant to agree because you're saying it reluctant to agree Mm -hmm. because the stooges but yeah yeah which leaves for me is it better or worse than fisher spooner number one um unless you've got somewhere else where you would like to no i think i think you i think you've posited that really well i think that's a that i definitely think that's a, the good a good spot for it fisher spooner's really unmemorable <laughs> fisher spooner don't i i i disagree i think there's a really? few i remember there being a couple of good tracks on fisher spooner and okay. overall just kind of enjoying being in that place but i did here's the thing that i that why i'm kind of thinking that maybe it goes Fisher Spooner Stooges the twang is that Fisher Spooner was sort of aiming for something and they didn't quite you know the Stooges are not hitting the bullseye in terms of how good they used to be but they broadly sound kind of like the Stooges right yeah. they just sound like an older not as good version of them yeah. whereas Fisher Spooner were having trying to create this sort of 80s synth art pop thing and yet and they did do that but there's no absolutely massive like killer bangers on it. There's a couple True. of good songs on it, mm. but it was maybe a little bit too low energy to really be as bizarre as they believed themselves to be. Like all of the image and all the things they were doing, really fucking bizarre. But the music didn't quite live up to the bizarre nature of everything surrounding it. So for that reason, hmm. I'm going to say... The Stooges go above Fisher Spooner in between the twang. I think that's a good shout. The only thing I will say to that is, um, yes, the Stooges managed to sound like the Stooges on the weirdness. I would have thought that one of the other things they were trying to do was write an album of good songs, and they didn't manage to do that. There are a... There are a... How many good songs do you think are on the weirdness? Four? Five? Uh, one, two, three, five. Five of five. the twelve. I think I would be like, if they played this, if you, if you went to see the Stooges and they played that live, I wouldn't. I'd be, be cool with that. Yeah, I'd yeah. actually, if they, if I went to see the Stooges live, I would. Even though it's quite a weird one, I would like to see them play the weirdness. I think, I think the weirdness is probably the only one for me that, if you put it on one of their other albums, I'd be totally happy with that personally. Is that a mad thing to say? I don't know. Maybe. But, um, you know, I think they wanted to release an album of 12 really good songs. And, you know, they they haven't managed that. Yeah. That said, I, I do think putting it between Fisher Spooner and The Twang is a good good shout. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of what I think. I just think, you know, not really. I've got no real uh, beef with Fisher Spooner at all, really. No, honest, not particularly. No. I, I actually did quite like a little bit of um of that record i just think it's you know it's not quite as um it feels like a a pale imitation of something that it was trying to do which 
you could say this is a pale imitation of what the Stooges used to be, but it, it is still ultimately the Stooges. Uh, at its worst, it's a pale imitation of what the Stooges mm-hmm. do. But yes, it sound, even at its worst, it still sounds like the Stooges. So I don't think that's too bad. I do also like the fact that it's close to Tin Machine, and this is the, the poetic side of me coming out here, but uh, I like the fact that he's so close to David Bowie. I think that's quite nice. Yeah, that is nice. Although he's got Fisher Spooner in the way. So. Yeah, he's a bit... <laughs> oh, it is an album that you own. Right. That I own. Right. And that every single solitary person listening to this podcast owns. It, oh. It is Songs <laughs> of Innocence by you 2 the greatest band of all time. The greatest <laughs> band of all time. They gave you a free album, and what did you do? You threw it back in their face, you <laughs> fucking cunt. You fucking cunt. Anyway. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> yeah. So next week, next week, the uh, the case for the defence, or the prosecution, as to why you're uh, a snob twat, because you, <laughs> because you two gave you a free album, and you had a fucking paddy about it. <laughs> really, this is you. This, the reason this is, I already know why this is here, it's because... You're a, you're a, an obnoxious piece of shit. Yes, Int- you listening. Interesting. You listening, episode, and everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It will be. It will because be that that that's episode. like a unique thing. I don't know if that's ever happened before or since. So yeah, that'll be very interesting. I mean, there's a reason. Yeah, so certainly not since. <laughs> fucking hell! Can you imagine anyone being like, hey, you know, they gave that album. Or, or, do you want our album as well? Everyone be like, no, you know how this went last time, mate. You yeah. know exactly how this went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Next week, we're we'll gonna be talking about you too bit off topic for me isn't it but fine Uh, (laughs) thanks for listening everyone we will see you next week